We're joined now by Patty Morrissey, who is a certified KonMari consultant based out of New York, as well as a KonMari consultant educator, which means she's teaching other KonMari consultants how to be KonMari consultants. Patty, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So so talk us through this. I think a lot of people are talking about the KonMari method. There was the recent controversy about uh, about books and whether or not books are clutter that I think got a lot of people feeling some feelings. So, so I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about what KonMari is and is not. So maybe let's just start there. Sure. So the, to back it up, the KonMari method is a tidying method founded by Marie Kondo. She's a Japanese author who wrote the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And the basic idea of it is that you go through your whole home, one object, one category at a time, and you only keep the things that spark joy, uh, and you discard the rest with gratitude. So the misconceptions that people have, because there's a lot of discarding that happens with this process, so sometimes people confuse it with minimalism, but there are no standards for any item or any category about how much of something that you can have. You should have as much as brings you joy and as much fits joyfully in the space that you have. Which I think is an important point to make, right? Because I think people do confuse it with minimalism and think, you know, people say, well, well, I love all my sweaters. I want all of them. Okay. Fair. So you're saying, okay, fair enough. If you love all your sweaters and they bring you joy, keep them. Yes. However, when I'm there, part of the value of having a Kamari consultant there with you is that they challenge you. So my, when someone just points to a category and they say, oh, that's all good, I say, great, then let's just reconfirm that they do indeed all spark joy. We take out all the sweaters and we go one by one and never has it happened that people have kept all of them, even after pointing and saying I, they all spark joy. So I make people go that extra mile and confirm with every single object that they do indeed love it. Oh, that's so interesting that no one has stayed to their original idea. So perhaps then it's about like, I don't really want to dig through that pile as much as it like, maybe it's more that than, oh, no, no, these really do spark joy. Yes, exactly. That's so interesting to me. So, so what about this process? So you, I think you've kind of, ta- you've kind of mentioned it, that you're going to look at everything and, and decide whether or not each, pro- each item sparks joy. When you think about the average household, I mean, I myself, I think I, I don't have a ton of stuff and I, I try to keep it that way. But even then, that sounds like a days and days and days long process to get through all of that. So how long are you generally working with a client? So the process really varies in length. For each person. So it depends on how much stuff someone has, how quickly they're making decisions about those things. It's a process that I recommend started. The earlier you start this process in your life, the, you learn those skills earlier on and you don't have to deal with it again in the future. So tidying is something that we view as a once in a lifetime event. Um, that doesn't mean that you never discard something again in the future, but you're never going to have to approach it again in a comprehensive way. Uh, so it's something that you need to dedicate yourself to and commit yourself to. It's not something that you can fit in on the fringes and the, the you know, fumes that you have left on the end of the day. But it's something that you say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to train for this. I'm going to dedicate the time. So I use the marathon metaphor a lot for that because no one would just sign up for a marathon and wing it. They would sign up and they, they know they're giving themselves plenty of time to train and to get fit. They know that they're dedicating every Saturday. They reorient their life. Maybe they are canceling social plans so that they can focus on this goal that they have. So when people are ready, I say, well, how are you going to carve out the time? Uh, And 
how much, you know, budget do you have for this? If they want support to do it and let's set up something so that it's sustainable. You have that, you know, finish line in mind so that you're starting day one and that you know that you're giving yourself five hours a week or you're giving yourself 10 hours a week, whatever it may be to, until you can complete the process. Is it ideal to try to do it all at once, or is that just too much? I mean, would it would in your opinion, uh, as an expert, would you would you tend to think it's it's better to just say, okay, I'm going to take a week off of work and use my vacation and do this for my life, or is it better, as you said, five hours a week? I'm going to work through today the bathroom, and next week I'm going to do the kitchen. Is it which one is preferable? <laughs> it's it's case by case. So I offer free phone consultations to walk people through their options and get a sense of what might be appropriate for, uh, you know, for busy people, taking the week off of life and getting it done is often a group approach. Um, there's pros and cons to doing it that way. But I have other clients who have, you know, maybe physical limitations and just physically they can't do it in that way. Or I'm working with people and they're grieving, they're going through a trauma. And so when you're discarding the objects of a loved one that you've lost, you give yourself some time to process those feelings in between sessions. So we need to be gentle about this, but focus as well. That's a, That was kind of where I was going with this next, and that is, uh, you know, a- outside of, of what you just mentioned, outside of like the grieving process where you say need to get rid of items from someone who has who has died. What where do, where do emotions come up in this? Because I, I feel like it's it's just kind of my hunch here is that it's really never about clutter. It's about the stuff. It's about the feelings we attach to items of who we might be once we fit into that outfit or who, you know, we wanted to be when we bought this pair of shoes or whatever. It seems like it's it's not really always just about the object. So so where do feelings come up in that process usually? Sure. So the the whole thing is really a, a journey of self-discovery, of processing and reflecting on where you've been and, and who you were and what you're, what's bringing you joy now and who you're becoming. Uh, it's, it's not something that I encourage people to rush through as a means to an end. You know, I just got to get through this so that I can have the tidy space. But to enjoy the moment and to take it as an opportunity to look back. And when you take out all your clothing, you can say, oh, wow, that was my former self. You know, I remember being 20-something and wearing this out with my friends. I remember this nursing bra that, that served me well at that time in my life. But thanking it and expressing gratitude to let those things go. And there's a lot of emotion. I've worked with clients that did not expect it to be emotional at all. I've worked with some journalists that were doing it just for the story. And they were very surprised at how much emotion came up for them. So I've never had a client not experience that immediately. In fact, we actually start the process with a vision. So I used to host vision board parties and get people together and we would collage and find images that sparked joy and we'd put it out as an intention for the new year. Going through Kamari in your home is like a 360 immersive vision board where every object that you have when you're done with the process represents a goal that you have, an intention that you have. So when you're keeping your ski equipment, it's a commitment to go participate in that activity. And when you're letting people book on knitting, you're freeing yourself of that obligation that, you, you know, the thing that used to interest you. What about those? Um, I feel like there's there's always those things in our homes that are like, 
oh, gosh, that's that book. I, I'm going to read that at some point. But then, you know, at some point becomes, oh, gosh, I've had that book for six years. And I'm just, I don't, I, I still want to read that book and learn how to knit or ski or, or learn sign language or Spanish or whatever. But what about those? I feel like those are, there's a lot of things like that in our lives where those things that we're going to get to. So it seems like um, almost wasteful to, to, to discard it when you, we still have that aspiration. What about those circumstances? Sure. And sometimes it's about volume. So if, if, and I help people tease out, does it feel like an obligation? Does it feel like a promise that you made to yourself a few years ago and you feel guilty or bad that you've changed your mind and giving people permission, you're allowed to change your mind just because you spent $20 on a book one time on a whim doesn't mean that you now need to spend the rest of your life pursuing that activity that doesn't interest you anymore. So buying the book and not taking action on it was all that needed to happen to teach you that actually you really don't want to be pursuing this activity. So it's about prioritization. When you see all of the items in one category together, it helps you realize, okay, never in a lifetime could I actually pursue all of these things. And so you get, to, you get really clear on, you know, fewer things that you can immerse yourself more deeply in, fewer items of clothing that you can enjoy more fully. Um, and so sometimes when it's hard for people in that situation, of like, they're all interesting to me, but I could never possibly commit myself to all of them. Ranking things from best to worst can be useful. And then you can think, okay, well, I've got time for the top five things. I think it's, it's Warren Buffett who said to make a to-do list of all the things that you want to do. And I might be messing this up a little bit, but he said, you know, pick the top five and then anything else on the list is your don't avoid at all costs list. So it's really important for us to be clear on the things that are interesting, but not a priority or actually a greater risk than the things that don't bring us joy. Oh, that's a really interesting point. I, I mean, I should say, I, I wish I had you with me at the time, but after I read that book uh, about the KonMari method, I did this to my home, and, and I, I didn't feel like I would have a profound experience because I, I don't have that much stuff and I like to be pretty tidy. And so I thought, oh, this will be just kind of interesting. Just it's an interesting idea. And I kind of went through it. It, it was it, there was a couple of categories for me. Books was one of them. And and then I had to kind of subdivide them a little bit because it was there is the category of like aspirational nonfiction that that is like, well, but I would like to get to the point where I, I can speak French this well, where I will need this dictionary of French verbs, <laughs> you know, of like this advanced textbook. It's like, well, but I still do want that. So I, I, I wish I knew that advice then, but I, I, I guess I kind of got there, but I, I certainly went the long way. Um, but, but it was really interesting. So do you ever hear from people who have read the book and kind of gone through it on their own and then still feel like, eh, I'm stuck or I need, I need to refine this a little bit or I don't know if it took when I did the DIY method? Mm-hmm. Occasionally I'll have a client who calls me up and they have you know, attempted to go through it on their own. And then we come in and, and help them with the refinement and the details around storage. So they've already gone through the joy checking of all of their objects. And now they want some advice on how to best utilize the space given what they have left. But more so the big barrier to people is they've read the book, they've read, they've read all of Marie's books, and they've watched all of the Netflix shows, and they still haven't taken any action. Mm. So taking that first step to actually create the vision that you want for your ideal lifestyle and then getting the clothes all out. But there is a thoroughness 
problem with people doing it on their own. They, they don't fully take the advice. They often skip the step of visioning. They often skip the step of making the commitment and really getting real about the amount of time that it's going to take. They skip the step of making the mountain of clothes on the bed and they just thumb through their closet and think, what can I get rid of? And that's what's problematic. So when I see any criticisms of the method, it's often from a perspective of actually not following the method. So when you're going through your closet and you're looking for what you can remove, your focus is not on joy. You're focusing on all the things that you don't like. And so it's a negative experience versus making the pile and choosing joy and bringing things back in. It's subtle, but it's a big shift in the orientation that makes it a, a, a much more effective process. That's so interesting. Do, do you ever encounter, um, you know, clients that that are like, you know what, none of this sparks joy for me. I want to get rid of all of it and start over. Like, what do you do at that point when so little, you know, maybe you've been accumulating just a lot of stuff or you've just had a major life change or something, and it's just kind of like, I'm not sure any of this does. What do you do then? So there's a few things that I look out for. One is like making sure that my client isn't clinically depressed, because if it's hard to feel any joy in any area of the home, that's usually a sign that there's some blunted, feelings there. Mm -hmm. Um, But more so, it's usually in a particular category. Like, I don't feel any joy around clothing, or I don't feel any joy around my kitchen items. Um, And that's, that's helpful to see. And when I, I've learned now to set expectations with with clients that they might weed through and discard the things that don't bring them joy, and they're left with a perfect happy, joyful wardrobe, for example. But sometimes they're left with a feeling that it's a, there's a void there. Um, and Ingrid Lee, she wrote a book called Joyful, which actually provides a lot of great science behind the KonMari method. Her book is all about really the science of joy and what makes us happy. And she had described the KonMari method this way of it's like weeding a garden and sometimes you're left with a perfectly full, happy garden with no weeds. And sometimes you're left, it's kind of barren. And now you have to do the work of planting some flowers or figuring that out. And that actually happened to me when it came to clothing was I'm still kind of on a journey of discovery around what sparks joy and, and learning, you know, about the the brands and the cuts and the styles that make me feel good. Um, But that's very category specific for me. There were other areas where that was not the case at all. So I want to shift a little bit to uh, you. You also educate other KonMari consultants. So you teach people to do what you do. Uh, I'm sure yeah. that's a really lengthy process, and, and there's a lot of stuff involved there. But but generally, what just kind of as an overview, what what do people? At what point do people come to you and say, "This is the work that I want to do," and 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 what is that path? Sure. So I was hired by KonMari Media. Uh, Marie's company to teach the Kunmari Consultant Certification courses. They're offered here in New York and in London. There's a wait list of over a thousand people. So if you're interested in doing this, the best way to, to hear about it is to join Marie Kondo's newsletter where they uh, send out announcements uh, about upcoming courses. And it's a two-day, you know, long-day seminar each day. And that's really the beginning. And then people have to go through and have practice clients submit reports detailing how they worked with that client. They have to take at least one client through the entire process, so all of the categories, all of their things. And then when they're finished, uh, take an exam. 
that shows that they have a, a grasp of the the method, but also understanding how to apply the method in the context that's appropriate for the client and their situation. So why do you think right now, I mean, you, you say, you know, thousands of people on a wait list, that tells me there, there's, a, there's something being stirred in people right now, that the reason this book is, is um, so popular and provocative, I mean, I, I'm going to re- return to the example of the recent example of, of people writing a ton of like pundit think pieces about, oh, no, she, she said books are clutter. I'm, how dare you insult my book? You know, like a lot of quick reactions to, to this KonMari method, um, you know, what, why do you think right now this method, and, or maybe even organizing in general, is speaking to people so deeply? Because to me that says people want change, people want less stuff, people want more meaning. Why do you think that is? I think there's a few things going on. I think one is that we, we're living in a chaotic time, and being able to look inward and focus on, focusing on your own home and your own space gives you a sense of control. I actually really believe in the power of self-improvement as community improvement. I used to, or I still do, actually run a project called Ben Franklin Circles, where I get a group of people together to talk about different virtues following Ben Franklin's model. And it was really powerful about the collective impact that can happen when you just focus on yourself. So between that and watching people work on themselves and work on finding their inner truth, finding what brings them joy, they become more joyful. And the way they interact with the world is a happier, more loving place. And I do think about, you know, the power of that collective impact. Just earlier, I was at lunch and got some data that so far, since Marie has been training consultants since 2016, We've worked with over 4,000 people collectively as a consultant community. So it's 4,000 people that have changed their lives using this method with a consultant, not to mention all the other people who've done it themselves. Um, And in this method, you focus on your own stuff. And we're so quick to blame other people about what's going on in the world and what the problems are. This method, we look inward and say, what can I control? How can I make my life better? How can I make my home better? Um, And so if we're kind of agitated by what other people are doing in the home, it's just a sign that we have more work to do ourselves. And the training in social work, we used to say, you know, in therapy, work on your own stuff. You can't control another person. And with the KonMari method, it's a real tangible way that you literally are only working on your own stuff. And it really helps people learn boundaries. So that's one thing. It's kind of the context of the world that we're living in now. Another is that we're in this age of abundance where it's never been cheaper, easier to acquire anything we want whenever we want. And so clutter has become a universal issue. UCLA did a study where they had anthropologists inside people's homes and the finding was about clutter and its impact on people's lives. The study wasn't originally intended to be about clutter, but that was kind of the the outcomes. One of the things that they found was that the, cortisol levels of the women in the home was directly related to the number of objects in the home. So there's a real impact. Um, So people have all this stuff and the advertising industry and marketing has said, you know, you're going to be live a better life more and more and more. And people are, they have more and more and more and they're not any happier. So it's kind of like what gives and it's time to confront that and, and sort through it. I think there's 
I, I sometimes feel like I'm an addictions counselor when I do this and helping peel back those layers of what does it look like to find contentment without consumption. That's so fascinating. And really, like, I, I think that that confirms a lot of hunches for me and I suspect a lot of others too because we, you know, I think we've all been in the moment where you walk in and you, you left your house kind of a mess and you're like, oh, I just had this hard day and I've come home and my house is a mess. And, and I think it's it's about more than the mess. It always has been. And, and you make such an interesting point about how easy it is to, I mean, a couple of clicks on Amazon and we can get anything really quickly, really easily and, and less expensively than ever. And I think our homes are filling up and, and I've long personally suspected that sometimes excess is really just uh, an inability or unwillingness for us to just kind of sit with our own feelings and just be in them and experience them. And, and I think what you just said really, really uh, kind of validates that and speaks to that quite a bit. Yeah, so it's a new problem, and you know, there's a few things of not being taught how to tidy, and people don't know. But we also have this added issue of people have more stuff and more access to it easily. It's kind of like a hundred years ago, people didn't have to go to a Soul Cycle class because they just were working outside and walking places and it was just part of your life was to be active but now we have to go out of our way and go to the gym and so now we're having this problem of kind of overconsumption around our stuff but we need to set up some control mechanisms just like with food so we it's like a diet and um and to totally reframe our relationship with with how we bring things in. And that's, you know, maybe where people confuse it with minimalism, but it's how is this serving me? Is this adding value to my life or is it just cheap calories? That's so interesting and so fascinating to talk with you about this. I wish we had oodles more time because it's really such an interesting topic. Uh, So where can people find you, find more about what you do and, and if they would like to contact you or another consultant, how may they do so? Definitely. Um, I'm, people can find me at pattymorrissey.com, and there's over 200 certified Kanmari consultants around the world. Just go to kanmari.com and search for a consultant near you. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much.